Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Jordan Gonsalves and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, you know, it's been, let's just think about this for a minute. It's been almost, almost two entire years since the insurrection. January 6th, 2021. We are but a handful of months away from January 6th, 2023. And while the Department of Justice has issued indictments, charges, sentencing against the quote-unquote foot soldiers of the insurrection, those people that were physically inside of the building. And then they have extended to those people that were not physically inside, but were indeed coordinating. We have seen sedition charges put up against members of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. And yet, dear friends, as Glenn will tell us in our upcoming interview, none of the actual suits, as opposed to the boots that were on the ground, have been indicted. Glenn and I will get into a conversation about where we are right now as it pertains to Donald Trump and the stolen classified documents and the fact that Judge Aileen Cannon is a Trump lackey, has no business having the position, the lifetime position that she does have, that Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump stuffed down our throats after Donald Trump lost the election. She was obviously placed there for a reason. And I say to Glenn, what is the fucking point of us as a whole, people who actually believe in the rule of law, people that are forced to follow the rule of law, while others that are rich, white, wealthy, cis, hetero, 
Do not. How are we going to seek accountability and justice inside of a system that is already rigged? This is my real fundamental question. If you know, and if there are other legal experts on both the right and the left that are saying that Judge Cannon's decisions and even her written opinions are motherfucking suspect, then how are we continuing to operate above board when we know that these people are doing everything in their power to thwart the rule of law and to ensure that Donald Trump never sees accountability. Now, Trump most recently was on somebody's right-wing bullshit talk show where he stated unequivocally what sounded most definitely like a threat to me, where if in fact justice does begin to rain down at some point like a mighty stream, that the people, the American people, he says, will not stand for it. Well, what people? Because a majority of Americans, not your sycophant 25%, But a majority of Americans actually know that if they had a quarter of the crimes or thought or perception of the crimes that Donald Trump has committed, they would be under a jail. So how is it then that Donald Trump thinks that a majority of Americans are going to what, as Lindsey Graham had also threatened, take up arms to defend this piece of shit? I mean, maybe they will, but I know this, this I know for certain in my heart. And I have been thinking about this folks, and I have been meditating on this. They want war. I have said it on this show a number of times. I have said it on television. MAGA wants war. And I don't think that they will rest until they get their war because they are so goddamn trigger happy right? Wanting to take down any black and brown person that they see, wanting to shoot up women, wanting to do all of these hateful things, right? But they ain't going to win. I don't care how many bullets and guns that they have on their side, because as Dr. Brittany Cooper had said many, many months ago on this show, they can't kill us all, right? And so my feeling about their very bold, threatening language that they have continued to use, readying their folks in this new era of stand back and stand by. I'm telling our team, pay attention, keep your eyes wide open, keep your chin up, keep your back straight because they ain't going to win. I don't know how long we will be in this fight, I have said that I believe that it will get bloodier before it gets better, but I'm telling you, they will not win. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, host of Justice Matters and MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner, to delve into all of our legal woes. (laughs) 
Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to speak with our friend, the host of Justice Matters and MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner, to work us through our legal woes, um, I am greatly appreciative. And I say legal woes, Glenn, because right now, as the sign says behind you, we're trying to figure out in America if justice actually does matter. We're trying to figure out if there is any integrity left in our Department of Justice as we are continuing with this dance, with this um, BS that is happening down in Florida with Judge Cannon, Uh, the latest, well, at least the latest that I know, but I know you'll give us a deeper overview, is that the Department of Justice has said okay to the uh, Trump judge, one of the two judges that they have put up, to be a quote-unquote special master. Again, I don't even understand what we are doing here when the Department of Justice has already gone through the documents that they took over a month ago, that they took back over a month ago from Donald Trump. So give us an overview, Glenn, as to where we are with this nonsense, because I don't know what else to call it um, other than that. Yeah, boy, do we got woes. Um, You you know, and and I do think there is plenty of integrity at the Department of Justice, but there's too damn much timidity at the Department of Justice. I don't know why they are declining to indict criminal charges that we all know there is adequate evidence to indict. Maybe we can circle back to that in a few minutes. Let's take on Judge Aileen Cannon, the, the completely unqualified federal judge that was installed by Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell's Senate after Donald Trump lost the election. So she was put there for a reason, and now she's doing precisely what Trump and McConnell had hoped she would do, make illegitimate rulings to protect Donald Trump. That's what she's doing, and I don't say that lightly or cavalierly. So, you know, there's so much to dislike about how she's handled this litigation. Donald Trump stole classified information, top secret materials, national defense documents, which is why this is also an Espionage Act case. 
and information about the nuclear capabilities of foreign countries. He stole it all. Then he illegally concealed it at Mar-a-Lago, including after it had been subpoenaed. The fact that he violated that subpoena gives rise to an obstruction of justice charge, which is a 20-year offense. And then when the FBI seized it all, took back the stuff he stole from the government and began to investigate Donald Trump's crimes, Judge Aileen Cannon swooped in and entered a stop work order. You may not investigate the crimes of Donald Trump as they pertain to these documents. That's insane. That's arguably beyond the powers of the judiciary, but that's what she did. And she said, so what I'm going to do, because Donald Trump has asked me to, is appoint a special person, a third party, somebody independent to go through all this stuff and see if the FBI and the Department of Justice should really get to use this evidence that Donald Trump stole from the federal government to investigate the crimes of Donald Trump. Another level of insanity. The Department of Justice said, well, first of all, Judge, we've seen it all, and that's important for our purposes. But now what we need to do is investigate what Donald Trump did with it so we can determine just how badly he's damaged our national security. Let me give you an example to just bring it home concretely. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. Donald Trump took a classified document, stole it from the White House, folded it up, put it in his breast pocket, brought it to Mar-a-Lago and never showed it to or exposed it to anyone. Well, that's an investigation that the FBI would have to conduct. And then they would hand off the investigation to the intelligence community, the CIA and the like, and they would assess the threat and the damage to our national security. Now, I think we can agree that the threat might be very low if they could prove through an investigation that nobody saw it after Donald Mm -hmm. Trump took it to Mar-a-Lago. That same document, Donald Trump steals it from the White House, goes down to Mar-a-Lago and starts letting our adversaries see it, copy it, snap pictures of it. Maybe he sells it to our enemies, leverages it for a favorable business deal. Well, then if the FBI conducted that investigation and learned those facts and passed them off to the intelligence community, the threat to our national security might be extraordinarily high and our overseas assets, their lives might be at risk. Judge Cannon said, you're not permitted to do that investigation. That's insane and dangerous. She's facilitating Donald Trump's compromise of our national security. Now, what the Department of Justice said is, well, you know what, Judge, you're, you're blowing our minds. That's my interpretation of their pleadings, all of which I've read. But mm-hmm. if you feel like there has to be this independent third person special master to review some of the stuff we took from Mar-a-Lago, some of what we took might have some attorney-client privilege information in it, not the classified documents, other stuff that we seized during the execution of the search warrant that we were authorized to seize. And we've already segregated that out with what's called a privilege review team. The special master is welcome to look at that and see if we should be able to use it in our investigation or if it enjoys attorney-client privilege such that we shouldn't be allowed to use it. That, Danielle, is actually the appropriate use of a special master. And the judge said, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what you filed. I don't care what Trump's team filed. 
this is the way it's going to be. So the Department of Justice said, well, we're appealing the whole ball of wax to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals because, Judge, you're out to lunch factually and legally. Here's what she said. Let me just finish. I know I'm, I'm yeah, let, me, let me finish with no, one no, no. more ahead, observation. Yeah. This is the Because I got, I got eight absurd, questions, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the most absurd thing I've ever heard a federal judge say. She said, we know that the government asserts that the Department of Justice claims that there were a whole bunch of classified documents. Sure, we've seen pictures of the classified banner with everything else redacted out of many of these documents that were taken from Donald Trump's office, not from a storage room. And we know even Donald Trump's defense attorneys have never have never claimed that he declassified anything. They've never made that claim in court. They said he has the power to, but they've never said he has declassified um, anything. She then said in her written order, I don't believe there I don't believe there's even classified information there. That echoes a Donald Trump talking point. Well, many people are saying nothing was classified. That is the most insane thing I think I've ever heard out of the mouth of a federal judge. She doesn't believe, she said, I'm not willing to accept the Department of Justice's representation that there were classified materials there. So here's the thing, Glenn, uh, I, and I appreciate the, the, the overview. So here's here's one of the billion questions that I have. First of all, we know that Judge Aileen Cannon should not have this job. We know that she is, I'm going to use the word, corrupt. And why do I say that? Because she was appointed after Donald Trump lost. She has no resume that matches the position that she is going to be holding for a lifetime appointment. And she is using... Trump, MAGA, QAnon talking points in her own writings. We know this. So you tell me why the hell there isn't an investigation and a case into this judge. Why do we just accept, accept the fact that we know that there are a myriad of judges that have been appointed simply for the protection of Donald Trump? And we say, those of us that believe in the actual rule of law, are like, oh, well, I guess there's nothing we can do here. And we just continue to operate above board, knowing that everything is actually stacked against us with this band of criminals. You know, Danielle, I wish I could give you a satisfactory answer to why the Department of Justice doesn't rise to the challenge of taking on corrupt judges. Now, we have seen that they apparently are unwilling, as is Congress, to take on corrupt Supreme Court justices, which, you know, has the um, potential of, of wreaking so much havoc in our country, like, I don't know, having women's constitutional privacy rights revoked, right? But we seem entirely unwilling to take that on by opening hearings, I would call them impeachment inquiries to investigate what it is that Thomas and Alito and Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett and Gorsuch did when they misrepresented their true views about Roe versus Wade in their confirmation hearings under oath. That doesn't guarantee that if we open those hearings, we tackle that hard issue on behalf of the American people, doesn't guarantee that the House will pass articles of impeachment 
But if they do, it also doesn't guarantee that the Senate will convict them. But if we don't take the first step on the road to accountability, then we've already lost the battle, which is precisely what you just were asking about. Why are we unwilling to take the first step on the road to accountability? That I don't have an answer for. I wish it would change. Because it, I mean, to me, I I guess because I operate in reality and on earth one, it does not make sense for us to continue. And I mean us as, as, as part of those that are into the Department of Justice that are not a punch, a part of Trump's lying, like criminal syndicate. How are we pursuing accountability and responsibility? And we're, we're hedging our bets on people that were installed to block that path altogether. How are we continuing to say that, oh, yes, we're going to bring the best case possible if the decision has already been made before you open up your mouth and present your evidence? If a judge is sitting there and saying to you, here are folders that literally friggin' read classified information, and then you have the audacity to say, oh, but I don't believe that there's class. That's like me saying, oh, I don't believe the sky is blue. I don't believe water is wet. Right. Just because you are not operating in the place of reality doesn't mean that that's where the rest of us are. And I just don't understand how we think that we are going to hold on to our democracy and our institutions if we are not literally digging down to the core and getting rid of all of the rot. I don't know. I'm with you. And, you know, something needs to change. Um, I think one of the one of the areas where we can be somewhat hopeful is the upcoming midterms. I mean, I, I think there is reason to be more hopeful now that we're going to get, you know, a, a something of a blue tidal wave and that decency will be rising in America after that. But, you know, decency rising is important, but accountability rising is more important. And that's what we need. You know, we need people who are willing to take the fight to the bastards even if even if we are not guaranteed to be successful. You know, people, when they took on the J6 committee public hearings, people were like, well, that's not going to matter. Nobody's going to get impeached. Congress can't prosecute anybody. All of that is true. And yet look at how important those public mm-hmm. hearings have been to expose to the American people the crimes of Trump and company. That's very much a hearts and minds campaign. And if you can convince the hearts and minds, then maybe an unduly timid DOJ will follow with criminal charges. Here's my question, Glenn, though, with regard to the January 6th committee hearings. And we know that there is uh, at the end of this month, uh, we we will uh, pick up where we left off uh, at the beginning of the summer. You know, they are doing a masterful job, as you're saying, in terms of presenting the evidence to the people and as if the American public are the jurors, right, to really understand and sift through this information. However, what I keep hearing from people that listen to my shows and follow me is that, yeah, Danielle, we have these we have this pile of evidence. If it were me or you, we would be in jail already. So what good is this? If it, if if we're doing if this is just for pomp and circumstance and nothing they believe is actually going to happen, and again, the more evidence that comes up, the more things that we learn about what Donald Trump has done and the inaction that is taking, just continuing with quote unquote investigations 
people are losing faith. And so I, my question for you is, do you think that there is potential that the January 6th committee hearings will actually backfire in terms of presenting again, this Mount Everest worth of information. And then there's no prosecution on the side of the department of justice that actually has the power to prosecute. I'm not worried about it backfiring because even just the the transparency that it's bringing to us, it helps. It will help in the midterms. It will help us understand the crimes of Trump and company. And I absolutely believe it is moving the Department of Justice prosecutorial needle. We have seen DOJ, excuse me, we've seen the J6 committee investigate certain areas, expose certain crimes. And what do we hear? The next thing we know, DOJ is subpoenaing those same people to testify before the grand jury. That's an indication that they're criminally investigating and moving toward prosecution. Now, let me use this as an example. I did a Mm -hmm. video last night that was a, a little dark because I wasn't finding much optimism on the horizon yesterday. And it had to do with Mark Meadows. Um, So we just learned that the Department of Justice issued a grand jury subpoena to Mark Meadows, the highest Trump official that has been subpoenaed to that criminal investigation. Yay, I thought. Right. And then I read precisely what they subpoenaed from Mark Meadows, not testimony. They subpoenaed the exact say. Wait, stick with me, though. This is where I was last night. Exactly (laughs) where you are. But I tried to step back into my prosecutorial days and figure out what was going on. Um, So they subpoenaed exactly what Mark Meadows previously gave to Congress, text messages, emails, that whole, you know, thousand plus trunch of, of stuff, documents and messages and evidence. And I thought to myself, okay, that doesn't really forward the information ball because Congress already has all that stuff from Mark Meadows before Mark Meadows jumped off the cooperation train and said, I'm not abiding by your subpoena for testimony for which Mark Meadows should have been indicted because that's contempt of Congress. That was referred by Congress to the Department of Justice for prosecution. And DOJ said, "Nah, we're not feeling it. We don't care that a crime was committed by an executive branch official against Congress, a co-equal branch of government. We ain't indicting him. That is some BS right there. And that still angers me. But let me go back to the original point. I thought to myself, well, why would DOJ only subpoena exactly what Congress already has? Here is why. If we're building a criminal case in the grand jury, Mm -hmm. we don't want to be in a position, if we have this great evidence, like incriminating text messages and emails from Mark Meadows talking to other Trump co-conspirators and Trump, maybe Trump himself. We don't want to get that evidence from Congress. Why? Because then you have a chain of custody problem. And it's harder for us to introduce those things into evidence in court. We need to get them from the hot, grubby, criminal hands of Mark Meadows. Okay. So they subpoenaed them directly from Mark Meadows, which does away with a chain of custody problem where, oh, great evidence. We're going to go get it from Congress and it's going to go through several hands. And even though it originally came from Mark Meadows, we've got it now. That's an evidentiary problem. 
So the way I read this subpoena, which on the surface seems like less than DOJ should be subpoenaing, is they're doing it for evidentiary reasons. I would perhaps be doing the same thing. Of course, I also would have indicted Mark Meadows long ago. So in in terms of um, the other, the rest of the cabal uh, surrounding Donald Trump, um, John Eastman's phone was also subpoenaed. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I mean, I know that we're not tech people, but how were you subpoenaing the man's phone over almost two years later and thinking that this this hasn't been wiped? Right. Like I just I'm I'm confused about the timing and it being the only thing as opposed to I'm subpoenaing all of your electronics. I'm you know, like I what what do you make of that? Two 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 points, two observations. One, electronic footprints are forever. So the fact that there was stuff that we know should be on his phone that he deleted, that's actually incriminating information. But more importantly, John Eastman's crimes didn't stop on January 6th or January 7th. He continued, I'm convinced, to crime, to cover up, to lie, to be engaged in a conspiracy, to get away with the crimes he committed in trying to reinstall Donald Trump unconstitutionally for a second term. And all of that stuff continued. It continued, I believe, until the moment they seized his phone. So we don't know the precise Mm -hmm. scope of the criminal evidence that served as a basis for the search warrant. But I would bet a buck. That's my betting limit. I'm not a high roller. I would bet a buck. It ain't just the stuff from January 6th. It is everything else John Eastman had been doing up until the moment a federal judge ruled, found there's probable cause that there is evidence of crime in John Eastman's phone right now. FBI, you're authorized to seize it. Okay, last question for you um, this week. Um, Speaking of phones, where are we with the Secret Service? You know, and the fact that they had phone messages that were available on January 4th and 5th, nothing on the 6th and 7th, but we pick right back up on the 8th. They say, oh, we had a server transfer. Um, There's supposed to be an investigation into there to understand whether or not Uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, who testified before the January 6th committee and said that there was indeed a scuffle between Donald Trump and Secret Service when he demanded, because I am the president, to take me to the Capitol on January 6th, he ends up tossing ketchup in the White House. Um, Where are we with that investigation? Or again, has that fallen by the wayside as far as far as you know? So I think Zoe Lofgren in the last day or so announced that there have been a ton of Secret Service text messages and related information pouring in to the January 6th committee. Apparently, they've been found. Oh, yeah, that this was just broke recently. And they said and she said there is a lot of stuff that is very enlightening in there. So the the natural follow up questions are one. Do you think you have it all or might the Secret Service have selectively held some back? And then two, why were you told in the first instance none of this stuff existed? It was deleted and it was irretrievable. Somebody 
lied to Congress about that. But listen, at least now they're getting the information and they're going to have to pour through it. And I suspect we're going to be hearing more about that in the next public hearing. By the way, let us let us show you what some of these Secret Service text messages on and around January 6th reveal. Glenn, if you had to take a guess, and I know that you're not a gambler, but if you had to take a guess on some of the highlights that you think that we will hear on September 28th, what what, what do you think that 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 they're coming back for season two of the Trump indictment conspiracy? What do you think they're coming back with? Yeah, a great question. And I think because we have been flipping members of these white nationalists and white supremacists and hate groups, the three percenters, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and we've been flipping our way up the chain, it looks like, I think we're going to hopefully begin to hear more about the pipeline between these hate groups and the White House. Mm, And that pipeline mm. runs through the Willard War Room, through the Giuliani's and the Bannon's and the Stone's and the Flynn's, and it goes to Mark Meadows and it goes to the president. I think we're going to begin to hear more about that. At least I hope we begin to hear more about that. And gosh, dang it. I hope we start to get some indictments of some of the suits of the insurrection, not just the boots of the insurrection, because every day we are imprisoning folks who attack the Capitol. And yet we have not seen one second of accountability for any of the suits of the insurrection. And I, I hope that that's coming. Okay. Glenn, yeah, let me tell you, as always, I, I cannot, I, frankly, I cannot wait until our conversation that comes following the next hearing. Um, I know that we have a couple of weeks yet, but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that conversation and, and what we are going to hear. But as always, we appreciate you making time for Woke AF Daily, and we will see you again next week. Great being with you. I'll see you next week. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.